Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right. Another week, and the Eagles are one and one as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 146. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with NFL Film senior producer Greg Cosell to talk about the Eagles' performance in a 27 to 21 loss against the Tampa Bay Bucks. We talked a lot about that supporting cast in Tampa Bay for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and they came to play this past Sunday. Greg and I will talk about that game but let's not bury the lead here the Eagles get Carson Wentz back this week so Greg and I will discuss number 11's impact on this offense next up on the show we'll transition to my scouting report where I'll go through my notes on a guy who's quickly turned into perhaps the best player on this Colts defense linebacker Darius Leonard a rookie out of South Carolina State I talked about him a lot over on the Journey to the Draft podcast this spring, and he's played every snap so far for this Colts defense. He's playing really, really well for a young player. I'll get into his notes and my overall thoughts on the linebacker position later in the show. But before we get into all that, let's not waste any more time. I caught up with Greg Cosell this week to discuss the Eagles and that Week 2 loss against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Happy to be joined once again here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade is none other than NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell. Greg, welcome to week three of the 2018 NFL season. Weird to say that already. It's gone pretty fast so far, but uh, let's start quickly because we, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, the Eagles going into this week three game against the Indianapolis Colts. Kind of an interesting matchup on both sides, yep. but before we kind of get into what we saw against Tampa, which we will get into that a little bit, uh, let's start with the big news. I don't want to bury the lead much. Carson Wentz announced on Monday as the starting quarterback here uh, for this Eagles team going into Sunday's game. Your initial thoughts going into after the announcement going into this game? Oh, well, I'm excited. I mean, just as a fan, I love watching Carson Wentz play. Yeah. And then you get into sort of the X's and O's, and the thing I'm most excited about, and one of the things that makes him special is he pushes the ball down the field. And I think that's one thing that the Eagles really need. They need a, a little more of an intermediate vertical pass game. And I'm kind of excited to see him back out there because I think that's in his DNA. Yeah. I think he's an aggressive player with an aggressive personality and mindset. And one of the things we've talked about, Fran, you and I over the years when we evaluate, for instance, college quarterbacks, is the willingness to turn it loose and make difficult throws, which you have to do in the NFL. And Carson Wentz does that. And he does it with – just enough understanding of when to do it and when not to do it. Right. And that's what, you know, it's interesting going back today and, you know, because once the, once the announcement was made, I said, all right, well, he's going, this is going into Eagles game plan. Obviously. Right. Right. So I'm producing the show and I'm, you know, coming up with what the segments are going to be. And so I'm going back and I'm watching all of his big plays from last year. And I'm trying to pick all right, which ones are going to go in the, in this piece or that piece. And man, it's, it was exciting. Oh, Going yeah. back and just rewatching and just kind of reliving some of those moments. And in every game, it felt it felt like he was making throws that we just haven't we just haven't seen them in no. so long. And all the credit in the world to Nick Foles. That run that we went on last year was obviously outstanding. He made some ridiculous throws down the stretch, especially in the Super Bowl. But uh, what Carson Wentz is able to do on a weekly basis. 
It's why he's one of the best in the league. No, I agree. And uh, I know I did the same thing. You go back and you look at some plays and, you know, uh, there's so many. You know, I'll probably revisit in the in the matchup show coming up this week that touchdown against Arizona. I know there were three or four of them in that game last year from yeah. week five. But when he hit Torrey Smith and there were so many elements to that play, but he drove the ball down the field and he threw that ball on a line. Ridiculous. Yeah, and I mean, he just has... He's a great arm talent with a great understanding of how to play. I mean, to me, obviously last year when he got hurt, he had 33 touchdowns, but I thought the, the, the more telling stat was the seven interceptions yeah. because he's a guy who's an aggressive mindset thrower. And just how great they were in situational football. Yep. Two-minute drill, yeah. third down, red zone. I mean, they were top five. In well, all he was the categories. best third down passer in the NFL last Ridiculous numbers. Yeah. I mean, that third down, that touchdown to Torrey Smith was on third, third down. down. And the best part about that, was the stuff he made the snap, uh, the, the adjustment pre-snap? Pre- pre- out of a run there play. was a pre-snap adjustment and a post-snap yeah, adjustment. ridiculous. Right, ridiculous. It was awesome. So and, I, and as a second-year player, by the way, and that was week five of his right. second season. It wasn't yeah. as if that was week 12. Right. Yeah. I, it's, it's very, very exciting news. Yeah. No, and I'm pretty really, excited. It's going to give this offense just a shot of adrenaline. Yep. Look, they, they're missing play, pieces elsewhere. You know, no Darren Sproles, no Alshon Jeffrey this no, past no week. No Mike so, Wallace now. Yeah, so, I mean, they're, they're, they were certainly missing pieces yeah. this past weekend. But uh, getting Carson Wentz back, I think, will give the whole offense a little bit of juice going into this matchup. So uh, let's quickly just talk about what we saw on film. Um, obviously not a great game on either side of the ball. A lot of plays that they'd yep. like to have back. Uh, let's start really in the, in the run game because I think the passing game, you know, it was, they, they lose Mike Wallace early, and it was interesting just seeing the, the 12 personnel packages that they did go with. You saw a lot of Josh They did Perkins a lot more this 12 this week than in the first week of the season. Right, and so people will say, yeah. like, oh, how come you saw more of Josh Perkins than you did of Dallas Goddard. You may have an answer for that. Well, I don't know. Well, so Doug was asked about it on uh, the post right. on the uh, the post game press conference, and he said, you know, and he he tried to explain it, but I knew he he couldn't really go like too deep into the weeds on it. So I, I get what he was trying to say, and they, you know, I know it wasn't completely co- comprehended what he was trying to get across. So my take on it is, and without without talking to him and getting his full explanation, basically what he said was, look, Mike Wallace got hurt, and we felt that with the uh, the, we didn't want to have to change too much, and that would require us going more with Perkins than with Goddard. So the way that I took it was this. If you look back, not every 12 – and obviously you know this. Right, but right, just kind of right. Not every, not every 12 personnel package is the same. Right? Correct. So, so if, you know, the Eagles, certainly they've got Dallas Goddard. They've got Josh Perkins. Last year they had Brent Selleck. They had Trey Burton. If you go out with a 12 personnel package, and it's using last year's roster, LeGarrette Blunt, Zach Ertz, and Brent Selleck – that says one thing. Right. You come out with a 12 personnel package that is Darren Sproles, Zach Gertz, and Trey Burton. That says something totally different. That says different. something completely different. Right. So I think with what they were, especially considering the situation, right. they're down right. by two scores. They go with their lighter 12 personnel package that includes Josh Perkins, who, look, look he's 6'2", 6'3", he's 235 pounds. Moves he's, pretty well, actually. He moves well. And yeah. you saw, I mean, he created some separation yeah, on some yeah, routes. Yeah. You know, we saw the big downfield catch was on a scramble drill. But, you know, he showed the ability to separate. He's got some athleticism to him. They clearly felt like, hey, look, if we're passing, he can do a little bit more from the, like, being from out From wide a det- and, detached position. Exactly. Yes. Whereas with Dallas Goddard, you know, you're trying to sell the fact that you can run the ball. By the way, the last couple of weeks, I haven't shown them on the Eagle and Sky article or anything. He's, he's done pretty well in the run yeah. game the last couple of weeks. Had a couple of really nice blocks, Dallas yeah. Goddard. I think, talking about the run game, though, I think this week is not a good barometer because they got be. I don't want to say they got yeah. behind big, but I didn't feel watching the tape that there was ever, 
commitment may not be the right word, but that there was ever a rhythm developed with the run game. Didn't you feel that way? I mean, they made a couple of plays. Obviously, the touchdown by Corey Clement was a beautifully designed and executed outside zone run. But I just didn't feel like they got into a rhythm running the football. Yeah. I mean, they're right now they're middle of the pack in right. yards per game, in yards right. per carry. Uh, you know, they had both games. I think you're – I would agree with you. You're, they're, they're struggling to kind of get that rhythm. We're seeing all the, the volume of the, of the game plan in terms of right. how many plays they've got in the playbook. But especially yesterday, you know, on Sunday, they, they couldn't really get into that It was an odd game because game. even though it was only 7 nothing and then 7-7 for m- most of the first half, I believe. Yeah. I, I I just didn't feel like the run game was as big a, a factor in in their I don't want to say play calling but maybe that's it as as we saw last year it I just didn't get that feeling I don't know what you felt watching the tape but I didn't get that feeling well I think one of the big things on that is that they got behind the sticks early too yes, often yeah and when you do that you're really hurting yourself <laughs> with the run game in yeah. terms of because number one yeah like maybe you're less likely to throw on second and nine. But you're also like getting yourself into situations where, uh, and this just creates those third and long situations too. Is that now you're becoming predictable in what you're trying to do, and, and it I, just hurts you. If you're if you can't have success on first down, it sets you back. And I also think the run game, and and this is just a feeling more than maybe an actual analytical study, that when you're getting first downs, you know, with passes here and there, that the run game then becomes you know, a bigger factor and it becomes a psychological weapon as much as a physical weapon. And they weren't really getting a lot of first downs. Yeah. 102 yards per game so far on the ground. That's 18th in the league. They're four point, four, four yards of carry even right. 16th in the league right now. They lead the league in fourth with four touchdowns on the ground. But, um, you know, I think overall, yeah, I would agree. They're they're still trying to get that going and and we'll see Look, this week uh, against Indy. And we'll talk about the matchup in a bit. I think this is a team you can run the ball yeah. against, and hopefully, uh, you know, you start mounting that lead and you yeah. start moving the ball, and we'll we'll see how they they can do uh, moving the ball on the ground. But uh, any other takeaways? Just kind of watch them uh, this this team on offense. Well, I didn't think th- that their old line was great in pass protection this week. Mm. Um, they did some different things, Tampa, on, uh, from a, a pressure standpoint. Ton of stunts, yeah, a lot ton of stunts, of stunts, which they'll see this week. Indy likes yeah, to stunt yeah, as well. Ton of stunts. Some interesting pressure concepts from Tampa. I thought Tampa was interesting in that they played more man than I probably thought they would yeah they had some interesting blitz concepts that involved their linebackers but I don't think their pass protection was great I don't think Lane Johnson had one of his best games I thought he got pushed back in the pocket a bit uh so overall you know it was clearly not you know one of their better offensive games yeah I would agree I, I think it's going to be uh you know it'll, look the offense it's not going to drastically change in terms of what they're calling no but the execution of it, I think, is going to change. Like yeah. you said, I mean, Carson Wentz likes to push the ball. He likes to drive the ball. What I'm going to be interested in seeing, Fran, is, is how many RPOs with, with Carson because obviously that was a big part of the game with, with Nick Foles. I thought actually Tampa did a very good job on a number of them of reading the backfield action with the corners and have the corners jump some things. Yep. And then the Eagles tried to counter with some change-ups in, in the quick timing routes. But it was a nice little chess match. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. very interesting. And I, my guess is that it will be probably about the same in terms yeah. of the amount of RPO. I don't know that it will change yeah. that much. I guess we'll find out um, over the course of this game. But, uh, yeah, to sh- in short, very, very excited about the return of yeah. Carson Wentz and what that means moving forward. Um, they, they are going to need some more. Look, with Mike Wallace out, uh, Doug Peterson said today they're not going to rule out the addition of any kind of veteran receiver. Right. Um, you know, they're, look, with, with him out, I mean, you're relying on – Nelson, who obviously we know is right. a very talented player. Uh, we don't know what the status is of Alshon Jeffrey at this point, when he's going to be able to return. 
got Shelton Gibson, Kamar Aiken, DeAndre Carter. Those are the guys right. you're kind of that, leaning on right. in terms of being pass catchers. And anybody outside. you bring in, let's say this week they bring someone in, that receiver is only going to be able to run a certain number of routes. Yeah, or early on yeah. the package is going to be limited. Right, right. Yeah, so I think that that's uh, certainly something to, to keep an eye on moving forward. So uh, let's go to the defensive side. And, you know, defensively, I don't know how you feel. I think the you know the the thing that we heard I heard a lot last night. You know whether it was driving home or you know looking on social media and then this morning and seeing what how guys are being talked about. Jalen Mills is getting killed, and it was really frustrating to me to hear and listen to it because to me like I didn't think Jalen had like a terrible game and a lot of those big plays they're playing zone coverage and he's not necessarily like. You know, one hundred percent at fault. Like it's not a good look well, when you're running into, you know, you're you're caught behind Deshaun Jackson. But you know, the, the opening play of the game, there's no there's no safety in the middle of the field. Well, they were supposed play, to be. They were supposed to be. I, I know, think that's what I'm, my, that's what my sense watching that play was Malcolm guessed. I think so. He looked at. I, mean, I think he guessed, did a great job with his eyes, and we yeah, saw that. In week yeah, one. I he think Malcolm guessed. Why he guessed, only he could tell you. But he was the over the top player on that side of the field. Right. And that's what Mills was expecting. He was expecting help from Malcolm Jenkins on a de- because he was playing with hard outside leverage. Yep. Again, he was giving up the post to Deshaun Jackson. Right. And you're not giving up the post if there's no help. Right. And so I think when you, you so know, I mean it's easy to rip Jalen Mills, but theoretically he's not at fault for that touchdown. Right. And then when you look at you know even there's some third down conversions where the ball's thrown in front of him. And this is a credit to Tampa Bay. This isn't even a, this isn't a knock on anyone. Well, else they in the chose to play this way. And again, I'm sure that was being debated on Sports Talk Radio. I'm in the office watching tape, so I'm not listening to it. Sure. But they clearly chose to play with the, the, their corners with a pretty big cushion throughout the game. They didn't really change up. There were a lot of quick game throws. You can't stop quick game throws with a nine yard cushion, and your and your pass rush is not going to get there. Right. So they chose to play that way. Yep. And obviously, Jim Schwartz felt that that was a good way to play going into the game. Maybe he also felt that the Eagles would put up 30 points. It didn't work out that way, but that's the way they chose to play. Yeah, I think and even one game, one play I posted on Twitter was uh, I thought it really kind of stood out to me. We saw it a couple times in this game where they line up with tight splits so the corners back off even more. And they did a great job of understanding, hey, you know, the, the Eagles are probably going to be in cover three here. Let's run a vertical route right at the curl flat defender at number two with those Malcolm Jenkins. Right. If he's occupied by that vertical route, he can't expand and get width as the curl flat player. Right. And we're going to complete, make an easy completion right in front of Jalen Mills. And again, Jalen ends up being the butt of that right. play from, the, you know, from a fan perspective. No, but I thought the Bucks he, did a good job. The Bucks did a really good job. Yeah. And, they and also Fitzpatrick did, some, did a great job. They also did some good things out of three-by-one sets where number three, uh, obviously Howard scored, scored the long touchdown on that. Yep. Um, but number three where he was attacking the hook-to-curl defender in cover three. And, you, you know, if he's going vertical, that hook to curl defender's got to turn and run with him. Yeah. It's, I mean, you're put in a tough spot. And that was, I believe, Hicks on the touchdown. And that's the matchup. If you're an offense, that's the matchup you're looking for. Jordan Hicks is a very good football player. But you're looking for a big Looks athletic a tight end yep. running a vertical route against a linebacker. No question. And he almost made a play on that on Right, the, on that right. Ball. But that's, if you're that's the box, you that's what you want. No question. And, and really, the, uh, the other big thing, too, um, you know, when you look at the way that the Bucks were playing, and you know, the ball's coming out so quick. That's yeah, the ball's coming out so early on. You know, they they I think they wanted to try a couple of things, and Fitzpatrick took that sack from Fletcher Cox, and you could almost see it on on Fitzpatrick's that was a great face. sack. You know, it was ridiculous. A sack. guy who who uh, I've worked with for ten years at Films, Daryl Campbell. Yep, you met Daryl yeah, DC, sure. yep. who played at Notre Dame with Justin Tuck. He was yep. a defensive tackle, played in the NFL for seven eight years. I called him in and. <clears throat> 
I he hadn't seen the play. Yeah. So I said, here, watch Fletcher Cox. He's the three, three technique. And before I even ran the play, he said to me, he's going to club him with his right arm. I said, how <laughs> did you know that? He said, I can see the stance by Caleb Beninock. I can see that he's leaning hard to his right. And this is a guy who's a former defensive tackle. I love tackle. former players for stuff like this. Oh, yeah. I mean, right. he said he's leaning to his right. He said he's going to go right at his outside shoulder, and then he's going to club him with his right arm. I said, you're out of your mind. Get out of here. Because yeah, that's right. exactly what, what Fletcher Cox <laughs> did. I don't even Co- need to hit play. Right? <laughs> right, right, right. And that's so exactly violent. what Fletcher Cox did. And it was so violent, too. <laughs> oh, I know. So explosive. Uh, he made a few... He's one of the best defensive players in the NFL. Like, it shows oh, up every single sure. week. He, yeah, he's yeah. ridiculous. Um, and we'll get – I mean, I don't know if you want to jump into it now, but there's a, the matchups this week are very good for the Eagles with Fletcher Cox. So, well, let's get into it. We'll, we'll talk about – we'll reflect back on this past game as well, but let's talk about this Eagles offense – or this Eagles defense against Indiana. Well, because offense. I think you're dealing with the Colts who have a, a bit of a new offensive line. Yep. And, and they have the rookie Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame, who we all thought was a great prospect. No but question. he's now in the NFL playing with the big boys. And you and I both watched him week one where he had numerous snaps against Geno Atkins, who is also probably a top five, seven defensive tackle in the yep. NFL. I agree. And he struggled against Geno Atkins. He struggled. What surprised me was he struggled against Geno Atkins' power. Yeah, in the run game and the pass Yes, game. yes. Yes. I, I mean, because obviously we all look at Nelson and think, wow, this guy's as big as a, as a state and that he's just a powerful guy, which he is. But it's a, it's a different deal when you're in the NFL. And we've seen all the shots of him coming around on power and on wham or on trap, rather. Oh, no, he had a beautiful. Guys. Oh, he did. The, fir- his, yeah. the first time they called power in this game, I, I think it was, uh, was it Mason Foster? Yeah, he cleaned he him up. He just cleaned him up. And, and yeah, he had a yeah. great trap block the week before. Yeah, yeah. And those are the clips that everyone's got excited. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's like a receiver winning on a sluggo. Like, it's designed right, for right, him to win right. in that scenario. But, but the point is, is he's the left guard. And then the right guard is Matt Slauson, who's been in the league. I mean, to be kind, you'd probably have to call him a journeyman. Okay, Fletcher, Fletcher beat him up last year at the Chargers game back in week four. Right, right. So, I mean, you know, you have to look at that and think there's advantage Eagles right there. Yep. Uh, you know, like you mentioned that this, this offensive line kind of piecemeal. Term, you know, they lost Jack Muhort. He retired over the summer. Uh, so you've got Anthony Costanzo, left tackle. Is he back this week? There were reports that he was potentially coming back last week, so I would think that right. he's probably back this week. Um, left guard, Quentin Nelson. Ryan Kelly, pretty good player at yeah. center. Uh, a guy you and I both like coming out of Alabama. Slauson at right guard. And then Joe Haig is a right Joe tackle. Joe Haig at right tackle. He was at left tackle the week before. Um, is he Carson's buddy? He is. They, they played together. together so yeah. The first yeah. time they, they're facing off. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so definitely an offensive line that you, you can kind of get after these right. guys. But schematically – they're not pushing the ball down. This isn't what you saw with no, Indy where they're and, trying to attack – or with Tampa trying to attack down. You have to be able – one thing they do a lot of is they line up with two tight ends, Ebron and Doyle, and they line up with them. There is very, very multiple formationally, Fran, as you know from looking at the tape, out of two tight end personnel because both Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron can line up anywhere and be effective. Yeah, they go 21 personnel, they go 12 personnel, right. and they'll line up – uh, you know, guys, a nice condensed formation, right. or they'll go empty and they go lots of pre-snap motions. It's and the ball comes out offense. Yeah, the ball comes out quick. Yeah. So this is this is going to be one of those games, and then conceptually as well, you've got the Frank Wright connection in terms of him being here the last couple of years. If you're an Eagles fan, if you've been listening to this podcast, if you've been reading Eagle Eye in the Sky articles, watching Eagles game plan. You're going to see a lot of familiar plays from that offense in this game because they run a lot of the same plays that you've seen here when Reich was here. So you're going to see the mesh concept. You're going to see the three-level stretch. They did some interesting three-level stretches this week. They weren't all complete, obviously. 
but the way they got to them was no pretty question. cool. No yeah. question. You're going to see, uh, you know, those, the, they did a nice job um, in the first game. The ball wasn't complete, but it was that same kind of three tight end look uh, to one side where a tight end re- goes down the seam. They expand all the tight ends out, and we've seen Zach Ertz score touchdowns down the red zone on this route throughout the course of his career. They ran the same play, and Luck just missed the tight end. But uh, a lot of but the, the same touchdown concepts. they scored week one to Eric Ebron was a, was, was a thing of beauty, just tactically and conceptually. It, it pains me, literally, like it pains me that I couldn't get that play into Eagles game plan because it's such a fun breakdown. I was but hoping tell, for it. I know, I know. I was but, hoping you know, for we, it. We got to do other things. Yeah, you know what I mean, but well, Carson's I mean, coming back. Yeah, I mean that takes over the show, but. Uh, tell us what your memory of that play. Do you have, are you able to kind of re- – oh, Well, I remember, there? first of all, it started with a closed formation to uh, – I believe it was at the boundary or the I field? I want to say it was to the boundary. Yeah, it was a closed formation to the boundary with two tight ends. And Naheem Hines was in the backfield. And they shifted him out to the closed side. And he was shifted out literally two yards from the sideline. Yep. And it was a shift because he stopped. It wasn't a motion where they then snapped it. And because I believe the Bengals were playing quarters, if, if memory serves me correctly. Yeah, they were in either quarters or cover two. I think it was either two or four. It was either two or four. O- middle field was open, yeah. Right, right. And, and Dre Kirkpatrick was the left corner for the Bengals, and he had to widen out with Naheem Hines because Naheem Hines is way outside. Yep. You can't ignore him. So then what they did is they attacked with two verticals, one by Doyle, from the, who was the inside tight end, and then Ebron, the outside tight end, kind of a wing tight end. And they attacked this, the safety. And the single high safety can't play two verticals. So what happens is a linebacker has to try to run with Ebron, and they'll take that any day of the week. That's the same thing we were just saying about O.J. <laughs> right, Howard. Right, And the only reason I ask you to break that down is because the Eagles play a lot of zone coverage. Right. you got to think that you're going to see some concepts like that. They're going to pick their spots. And Ebron is, like is almost a wide receiver the way he moves yeah they look they they came out in the i want to say it was the first drive of the third quarter potentially in that week one game against cincy 12 personnel the whole way i probably looked like on film it was probably hurry up right uh and they pushed the ball downfield and they went on and they scored a touchdown right they're, they're gonna they're gonna do some things like right. that um look the bucks did it the bucks i was actually was very surprised by how much the Eagles were in base this week because the Bucks kind of dictated it by their personnel. Yes. Uh, a lot of 21 personnel and 12 personnel to try and force the Eagles and stay in the, the base. The other thing that was interesting that the um, Colts have done each of the first two weeks, not a ton, but you know it's a package and you know they'll build on it, was when they go with two backs, often it's the two halfbacks. Yes. You know, obviously Mack, Marlon Mack did not play week one. Yep. But this week – they would have Hines and Mack on the field together, Hines and Wilkins on the field together. Yep. So that's something from a uh, personnel perspective. I wonder how the Eagles will match up yeah. to that. Will they see that as big nickel? Will they see that as conventional nickel? Yep. How will they match so up to meaning, that? Will it be Sidney Jones as the slot or right. Corey Graham or right. Malcolm Jenkins in the slot? Right. Um, if you haven't watched Naheem Hines and you're listening – Think of Chris Thompson. Like that's the kind of player that he that I think he's going to. And Mac's also a pretty good receiver too. Yeah, Mac Mac is going to be an interesting guy. And then they've got the other kid, uh, a young guy, and uh, Jordan Wilkins, who's I think he might be their leading rusher. Ole Miss, right? Uh, yeah, I didn't watch him actually. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, I didn't watch him, but a lot of people really liked yeah, him. Yeah. Um, Wilkins, I believe, is their leading receiver or their leading rusher right now. But um, yeah, they've got a young backfield. It's a it's a young roster. It, it's a yeah. Which it's is a, intentional. Yeah, I mean, they have a, a new GM and a new coach. Thoughts it's intentional. On, thoughts on Andrew Luck so far? I think he's been pretty solid. You know, the thing, about, the thing about Luck 
is every once in a while, because he's an aggressive mindset too, he just you know makes a throw that is questionable. I mean, his interception this week, you could argue was, I mean, obviously it ended up being a bad throw. I thought it was a really good job by DJ Swearinger. Yep. But the, the interception he threw the week before in the red zone against Cincinnati, uh, I knew why he threw it, but you got to be careful with that yeah, because you're in the red zone. Yeah, it's those, one of those things you talked about earlier with Carson where you're going to toe the line. you got to toe the line. There's the a balance. And being careless. But he'll also make some really good throws. Yep. So when you look at the supporting cast for Luck, we talked last week about how, how you know, look, uh, Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, Humphreys, those guys, probably one of the top groups in the league. And Not I think the Colts. That, that kind of played back or played, you know. Which is why they play two tight ends a lot. That's why they play two tight ends. You know, you're looking T.Y. Hilton, who – He's explosive. He's explosive. But he not a between-the-numbers receiver, right. especially they, right they now. Missed him. Kind of Luck guy. missed him week one on a shot play yep. when he came off of him too quickly. Do you remember that? Yes. He came off of T.Y. Too- wasn't happy about it. No. It was actually, if I'm not mistaken, it might have been a flood concept. Well, I don't know because it was a shot play. But he, was, he ran by the corner, and Luck, for whatever reason, came off of him. Yeah, so you got Ryan Grant. Uh, who's another receiver there? Who's been with the Washington Redskins for a while? Chester Rogers, former undrafted. Zach Pascal from Old Dominion. I liked Zach Pascal coming out. As I, as I, I actually yeah. graded him as a backup, and I, but I liked him. I mean, yeah. he actually, he he's a big flashes. kid. He's a big kid who, yeah. who runs routes pretty well. Former yeah. Eagle Marcus Johnson uh, is there as well. So um, that's the receiving core. It's not a, a great looking receiving core on paper, but I think schematically they do a lot of different things. And Eric Ebron is very, very involved. Jack Doyle is very yes. involved. So. Uh, those two tight ends will th- certainly come to play in the passing game this week. So uh, that's what we're looking at from the, from their offensive perspective. We talked about what they look like schematically. A lot of very similar Eagles plays, not just in the pass game, but also the run game. They like the wham traps and pin pulls and things like that. It's a heavy zone run game as well. So uh, the jet sweep, you'll see the jets and the action off of that. Very, very, a lot of very similar concepts. You're going to see a lot of things in this game, in my opinion, before we move to the defense, to try to – compensate for the fact that I think their over line is a little their offensive line is a little overmatched yeah so I think you're going to see concepts that try to to, to camouflage that potential weakness yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a fun chess match because obviously Jim Schwartz knows Frank Reich pretty well Jim Frank Reich knows Jim exactly. Schwartz pretty well uh they know the style like it's they gonna probably be, it's had gonna a late a lot of uh late night discussions with an adult beverage yeah I would imagine so yeah. it's gonna be a fun matchup um, going to the other side, uh, Matt Eberflus is the new defensive coordinator there. He was the former defensive backs coach uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. Tell us what the, the identity of this defense. If you're Eagles fans that aren't aware, what, what are they doing schematically? I, I got to tell you, I've been impressed watching them by the way they play. It's not a highly talented group right now. Yep. Young players that they're hoping really develop, like Malik Hooker, Darius Leonard, um, players like that. And I'm sure I'm missing a few, but – you know, those two immediately stick out to me. But, boy, do they play hard. They play with high energy. They're competitive. They get a lot of people to the football. Now, schematically, they're predominant zone coverage. Yep. Predominant four-man rush. Um, I think they're a little multiple with their front looks, though, and they'll do some different things up front. A lot of different things, yeah. Yeah, yeah and they'll do some stunting off that. And, and by the way, I would do a lot of stunting because the Bucks did a ton of it, and it caused some problems for the Eagles last week. Yeah, I think it's and it's something that the the Colts do stunt a lot. Um, <clears throat> they, you mentioned they move those guys around. You know, Marcus Hunt uh, lines up inside and outside, outside, loops around. They do a lot of three man stunts yep. where you know the the, the pirate where. Uh, the two uh, D end and a D tackle will loop inside, and the D tackle does a long stunt coming well, all the way around. And just for the audience, if you can picture this, whenever you see three defensive linemen to one side of the offensive center, alert, alarms are going off. A big alert for a stunt. 
Yeah, yeah. no question. So um, just going through this personnel, I mean, there's a look. There's 11 guys to be on the field at one time. They probably, especially in that first game, I bet you they played like 25 guys. I agree. And, and, so and they played a little less this week, but they're still trying to figure it out. They, they definitely uh, seem to make some changes in the depth chart. The biggest changes defensively from a personnel standpoint from week one to week two. Anthony Walker. Anthony Walker stepped in. At line. Who I flashed week Walker. one yep. quite a bit yep. and got w- many more snaps week two next to Darius Leonard yep. at the stacked linebacker position. So you have Anthony Walker, who's a second-year linebacker. He stepped into the starting lineup ahead of Sky Moore, who's a rookie. Uh, Walker looked much better. He and I think he and Leonard are going to be the guys moving yeah. forward. For them now, next. Moore still got snaps because he's more athletic. Yep. Walker, in an ideal world, Walker's probably not a sub player, but he may have to for them because he may be their best option. Yeah, I think so. And then Zaire Franklin has been their strong side backer. Yep. He plays in base. He'll blitz a little bit. He'll drop right. in coverage a little bit. A classic kind he'll of bounce out. He'll bump out over the uh, slot when they're in base. D-line. Mentioned a lot of what they'll do schematically, but from a personnel standpoint, uh, nose tackle. Al Woods, pretty heavy-handed kid. He's pretty he's, stout. He's been active. in the league. Yeah, he's been yeah. around for a bit, so you kind of know what he brings to the table. They were missing Danico Autry this week. I don't know if he's He was their three-technique week one, yeah. so I don't know if active he's back. Active kid. Yeah. First, quick first step. Uh, we I saw always liked that Oakland. kid. I believe yeah. he was Mississippi, Mississippi State. Mississippi State, yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, played D end, played D tackle there in Oakland. Yeah, played mostly D tackle last week, and uh, really quick off the ball. He's got he's got a high motor. He's he's active. Um, really just wins with that quick first step. He was out this week, so um, they kind of moved some guys around. Marcus Hunt saw a lot of time inside, yeah. but he's a base defensive end for them. They signed Jihad Ward off the street last had week. Had a sack. Had a sack. He and had killed a uh, the, the left guard uh, uh, for the Redskins. Right. Um, Laveo? La, yeah, Sky Laval. Yeah. Yeah, Laval. He got him a couple yeah. times. He got yeah. him once yeah. for a sack and a couple other times yeah. where he pushed he him looked, in the pocket. I always liked that kid. I don't know him. what happened in Oakland. And he wasn't. And he didn't stick in Dallas either. He didn't stick in Dallas either, but he came out of Illinois, and I thought he was going to be a good pro. Yeah, Philly kid. I, I liked him a lot, yeah. too. Uh, Hassan Ridgeway is also there. He got a few snaps this week. Yeah. Penetrator. Uh, they're playing the former Miami pass rusher, Al-Kadeen Muhammad. Uh, he, got a, he gets a lot of snaps, number 97. Yep. At and uh, Kamiko Ture from Rutgers, yep. I believe a second-round pick. Second or third-round pick. Yeah. Or, yeah, he was a day-two pick for sure. Yeah, he, he flashes, kid. though, athletically. Yeah, I mean, no he's question. not there yet, yep. but he that kid looks like he could become a good edge pass rusher. And Terrell Basham is there, too. Who we, you and Who's I not getting liked. a lot of snaps. No, yeah, he's not playing a lot. Yeah. Uh, no, they've got young guys that are high-motor kids. They're trying to figure athletic. it out. Yes. Yeah. So they're, uh, they're going to come at you in waves, and we'll, we'll just see how, the, how this matchup yep. goes. It's going to be very interesting. Um, and then on the back end, the big change was they, they seemingly benched the former second-round pick, Quincy Wilson, from Florida. He was the second-rounder last year uh, in favor of a former mid-round pick, Pierre Desir, who's kind of bounced around the league yeah. a little bit. I think he was with Cleveland initially. Was he a small school kid? Yeah, he was from uh, – Lindenwood, maybe? Lin- Good call. Yeah, he was from yeah. Lindenwood. Um, but he always looked apart. Tall, um, lanky, no question. pretty athletic. Not, yep. not, not purely explosive, but very athletic for his length. Yeah, but you worry about – you do worry about the long speed. That's right. the question with Quincy Wilson, yeah. too. Yeah, they worry about the long speed. Yeah. Uh, those are the big questions with both those guys. But uh, I would say their best corner is probably Kenny Moore, who lines up a right corner in their base. And slot in. And the slot yeah. and nickel. The kid, I think to me, like of other, of other corners, he's the guy you say, yeah, like when they're a good team, he's a, the, he's a corner for the them. The guy I compared him to when we were talking before yep. we started, he, he reminds me a little bit of Brian Poole from the Atlanta that. Falcons. Absolutely. Physical, same. tough, maybe not the most athletic slot corner in the league, but yep. just I think a good player. Very aggressive, very competitive. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he fits the identity of the yep. way that they want to play. Uh, former Temple kid, uh, Nate Harrison is at left He's now corner. playing outside. Last year he was the slot corner. And what do you think of Harrison overall? I kind of like him. I mean, I, I don't feel like I have 
a large enough sample size this year on the outside yep. to really make a judgment, you know, an evaluation. But I liked him last year. I, I thought he had a chance to be a good player. Yeah, and then at their safeties, you've got Malik Hooker, who's uber talented. And played more snaps this week than yeah. week one. Well, yeah, he was more of a rotation last yeah. week. He played a lot this week. Yeah. He's their center fielder. And then Clayton Gathers. I shouldn't even say center fielder because they play a lot of cover two and cover yeah. four. Yeah, yeah. So. They kind of split the field a little bit, which is interesting. I mean, they're hoping he becomes a playmaker. Obviously, we don't know yet because he got hurt last year, and it's only two weeks into the season. But athletically, you're hoping he becomes a playmaker. Yep, and then you've got Clayton Gathers at strong safety. uh, Central Florida, I believe, day three pick. he, He looks that part. He's been there for a while. Um, he's their dime linebacker. They play a lot of dime, a dime, on, third, a lot dime, of dime. on third down, yeah. heavy dime third down. And when they do play man, it seems like he's their tight end matchup yeah, guy. Yes, and dime. yes. Um, so that's kind of where the, what they're bringing right now uh, from a personnel standpoint. Overall, where, where are you thinking that the Eagles can kind of take advantage of, of this roster? See, to me, I, I think you're going to be able to throw the ball, but – then you get into the discussion of the, the Eagles wide receivers yeah. and how you feel about what you what you can do offensively. Yep. But if this was a normal situation, I would look at this game as 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 a throwing game, wouldn't you? I, yeah, I would say so. I, but I, I mean, I, again, which no, I still think again, they will. But then again, I look at it and I say, outside of on the D line, like I think Al Woods, Al Woods right. is a good run defender. I think you can run this ball. Yeah, run the ball on this team too. Theoretically, you could do both. Right. You know, just because of the talent level. But I think in the run game, at least what stood out to me last week, because Adrian Peterson had 11 rushes for 20 yards, and except for maybe one run, he had no room right. at all. Yep. Because they were flying to the football. It's an aggressive group. It's an aggressive group. Would you, so then you have to start thinking about play action. Would, would you uh, be completely opposed if I said that Darius Leonard, who's the rookie, is the best player on that defense right now? I mean, I'm a big Jabal Sheard fan. He's been in the yep. league a long time, he and I think been. he's just a good football player. He is a good But Darius Leonard, player. to me, and I loved him coming out of South Carolina State, yep. I think he has a chance to be. I made that note, and you know how I do my, my draft yeah. stuff, similar to you, I'm sure, but you know, we take our notes. I said he had a chance to be a, a complete three-down linebacker who, with all pro potential, and I think that's what he could be. I, it's funny you say that because we're in the very next segment, we're going to go through my notes on Darius Leonard coming out of South Carolina State. Well, Greg, appreciate the time here as always on the Chalk Talk segment on Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. We will talk to you next week. Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him just like I do on Twitter at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go into Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, give us a rating, and then leave us a comment. Matt Esquire jumped on, left a great, great comment, really interesting stuff there from Matt. And I urge you all to go check it out because it was a really lengthy piece but Matt brought up Nelson Aguilar's stride as a runner downfield and how his technique as a runner really allows him to be effective vertically Matt I like a lot of what you're saying and let me even just kind of run up you Matt made a point about how Nelson always looks comfortable when he's running and how his long strides keep his head from bobbing up and down as he runs and that's true the more people I talk to about this and just that topic and the more I watch prospects They'll watch a player's helmet as they move, namely as they move backwards. So you look talk about a defensive back or an offensive lineman. When they're doing drills at the combine or when they're in one-on-one battles on the field, watch their helmets as they move in reverse. Are they steady and solid as they move, or are their face masks constantly bobbing up and down? The first group of guys, the guys that are solid, 
They look comfortable on the move. Try concentrating on anything as your head bounces up and down. It's not easy. It's not natural. I remember a long time ago watching the NFL Combine on TV. This back back before I would go out to Indianapolis. And the corners would do that drill where you'd see them get in their pedals straight back and then flip their hips 180 degrees and run vertically down the field. And I remember Rich Eisen asked Deion Sanders down on the field, what are you looking at, Deion? And Deion said he'd look not at the feet, not at the hips. He's looking at their head, at their eye level. If the head bobbed up, bobbed up when he turned, he saw a guy that not only was a bit stiff in the hips, but just wasn't natural in terms of flipping his hips and turning and running. I've talked with people who say the same thing about offensive tackles and their pass set, how that's something that's visible on film there as well. So really great stuff there from Matt, uh, who left a five-star rating, left that great comment. So shout out to him and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And speaking of our podcast, if you guys like me, you're like, you love food. I love food. If, you, if you're like me, you like food. You listen to this podcast, I know you love football. There's a pretty good chance you love the Eagles if you're listening to this show. So if all that's true, you love the Eagles, you love football, you love food, go give a listen to the Feeding to the Birds podcast. The, the Eagles line chef, Tim Lopez, who cooks lunch and breakfast and dinner for these players all year round, along with uh, the rest of the, the guys here in the, in the kitchen. He hosts this podcast, and listen to this. He gets exclusive interviews with Eagles players and coaches. He talks to them about food, their favorite meals to eat, their favorite meals to cook. They sprinkle in a little bit of football talk in between. It's a really fun show. They're easy listens. And if you want some cool recipes as well, I got to tell you, the first episode, Carson Wentz is on there. He reveals his go-to sandwich that he orders at lunch. And I've gotten that puppy a few times. This thing is a monster. And I know since the podcast, a bunch of Eagles fans have begun to, to uh, start making it at tailgates and stuff. You got to hear about the sandwich. You got to go listen to these podcasts. Go check it out. Feeding the birds. Subscribe to that show now. I promise you won't regret it. All right. Let's keep this show going. Earlier, I told you we would dive into Colts linebacker Darius Leonard. My t- notes on him coming out of South Carolina State from the spring. He is the subject this week in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so Darius Leonard, 6'2", 234 pounds. He had no FBS offers coming out of his hometown, Lakeview, South Carolina. Only one offer to walk on at Clemson. So he chose instead, let's take that scholarship offer, F- FCS level, the, the, the MEAC conference with at South Carolina State, he became an instant impact player for them. Four-year starter. He was the defensive player of the year in the conference in his final two years on campus. Lined up mostly stacked, but he did walk out at times over the number three receiver. Very tall, extremely long arms. He had the largest wingspan of any linebacker drafted in the last 10 years when he was taken uh, this past spring. So really long arms, framed to add on a little bit more weight, helps to get his teammates lined up pre-snap, appeared to make all the calls in that defense. A very natural athlete who looked very smooth when he was asked to change direction. He can play on the other side of the line of scrimmage, plays fast. He's able to work sideline to sideline. He saw things quickly and rarely false stepped early in the down. He was always square to the line of scrimmage and has a knack for playing off of blocks presses the line of scrimmage quickly and does not back down from a pulling guard in the hole he would use his length at the point of attack to try and defeat a block and get to the football he was very violent at the point of attack arriving at the football with bad intentions he brings his feet as a tackler he runs his way through contact used often in underneath his own coverage and he did a solid job of pattern matching he looks fluid in reverse dropping down the seam in Tampa too decent man coverage player he can play against running backs in space and he was very productive on the ball six career picks in his college career he was used as a blitzer both off the edge and inside he hit it with speed he hit it with power good timing played with fire and energy certainly one of the tone setters for that defense 
defense, one of the intimidators in that conference, and he definitely had some swagger to him. I thought, honestly, that he would fit really well here in Philadelphia with that skill set. I thought he was a really good fit for Jim Schwartz's defense. Obviously, the Colts pounced on him quick. He was a second-round pick early on for that Colts team. Now, not truly explosive. Like, in the first 10 yards, I didn't think he was a true, like, A A to B kind of explosive athlete. Won't be viewed as a top-shelf guy in that area in the NFL. Sees things quickly at the college level, but obviously the play speed, huge jump there uh, from the the MEAC to the NFL. He would seek out contact sometimes in traffic, and, you know, he can get off of that contact in the MEAC, but not necessarily the case at the next level. So something I wanted to see him work on. He will need to get a little bit bigger and stronger to handle the rigors of the league. That That was for sure. Lack the pop to disrupt crossing routes at the college level he can get taken for a ride by bigger stronger backs uh tried to just go for the big hit sometimes and can be more consistent with his tackling technique that was all I had from a negative standpoint on Darius Leonard and I wrote as my final summary on him definitely has three down starting potential down the road as a stacked backer most likely in year two I think he could play either Mike or Will in any scheme and with his athleticism aggressiveness and versatility I think he'll be one of the better players on a playoff caliber defense I had him graded higher than Tremaine Edmonds who went in the first round to the Buffalo Bills I really liked Darius Leonard and he's turned into one of the best young players uh, on this Colts defense I would argue I said that to Greg earlier that he's the best player on this Colts defense right now even ahead of Malik Hooker who's got all the potential in the world obviously he just has to prove that he can stay healthy looking back on those notes today and then after just studying him over the last few days I'm excited about what I've seen so far from Darius Leonard, and he's going to be a, a, a good test here for this Eagles defense. He's already faced a, a couple of really good groups of linebackers so far. Honestly, he's turned into one of the best players on that defense very quickly. He's not as explosive in the open field as those two guys we've seen so far in Deion Jones or Quan Alexander. I thought that uh, was backed up, honestly. He ran, I think, a four low 4.7 four at the combine where Jones and Quan Alexander were both 4.5 guys, but this kid plays fast. He's pretty darn fluid in the open field. He doesn't come off the field. He's on their nickel and dime defenses. He plays both Mike and Will, like I mentioned for them, depending on the package. I really liked what I saw from him back in week one against Cincy, and he turned it up a notch this week against Washington in week two. He saw things faster. He was more decisive downhill. He was always one of the first guys to the ball. He's ferocious. He's physical. That's the thing that really, to me, has translated so well is his competitiveness. He's not a guy that's tentative at all in attacking the line of scrimmage. I love that trait with him on film and I think to me that that translates really well the big thing with me however with the linebacker position is play recognition you know it often gets grouped in you say uh, you know quote-unquote instincts I always say it I'd say it's a, a crutch of mine to me linebackers up there with quarterback as the toughest position to play mentally in the NFL because on every single play you are put into a run pass conflict quarterbacks and coaches game plan every week to make you wrong, to move you with your eyes, show you one thing, then give you another, move you off your spot. If you have issues with play recognition or reaction quickness, it takes a lot to overcome them. So I can't see a lot of false steps on film. I can't see a lot of misreads from a linebacker on college film. If you're slow to react, you're going to be taken out of plays in the NFL because you're going to get offensive linemen like Brandon Brooks or Jason Kelsey or Lane Johnson. You're giving them an extra half second to get up to you and reach you and, and scoop you out of the play and out leverage you, and that's not going to work at the NFL level. Now, can you get better at that? Maybe. I've seen some guys improve in that area or at least seemingly improve, look better at least in that area based off the tape I saw in college, but it's not that often. I'm much more likely to bet on a guy with good eyes 
as opposed to someone who's slow to react. So that's why, honestly, I mentioned that with Tremaine Edmonds. Tremaine Edmonds was bigger. He was faster. He was more fluid. He looked the part. His production was probably was probably not as good as Leonard's because Leonard was a four-year starter. But physically, coming off the bus, Tremaine Edmonds looked like a much better football player than Darius Leonard. But you turn on the film – Darius Leonard was a much better football player than Tremaine Edmonds. And so with Leonard, uh, you know, his eyes, that was not a concern of mine. I really liked him on film. Uh, it's very interesting to see how he's turned into such a great player for that defense at a very young age so very quickly, just two weeks into his NFL career. So great stuff this week from Greg Cosell and all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, or, of course, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. And, again, one more time, take a few seconds, go rate the show, Leave us a comment. Do not be afraid to leave a question on there as well because I would love the ability to answer it here on the podcast. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.